Talk Radio. In the Tucker Putin interview, President Putin explained how Russia has sought peace with the West ever since the fall of the Soviet Union. I recommend watching the entire interview, but here is my short edit. After 1991, when Russia expected that it would be welcomed into the brotherly family of civilized nations, nothing like this happened. Yeltsin came to the United States. Remember, he spoke in Congress and said the good words. God bless America. Everything he said were signals. Let us in. Yeltsin was immediately dragged through the mud, accused of alcoholism of understanding nothing, of knowing nothing. He understood everything, I assure you. I became president in 2000. I thought, okay, the Yugoslav issue is over, but we should try to restore relations. Let's reopen the door that Russia had tried to go through. At a meeting here in the Kremlin with the outgoing president, Bill Clinton, right here in the next room, I said to him, I asked him, Bill, do you think if Russia asked to join NATO, do you think it would happen? Suddenly he said, you know, it's interesting. I think so. But in the evening, when we met for dinner, he said, you know, I've talked to my team. No, no, it's not possible now. I repeatedly raised the issue that the United States should not support separatism or terrorism in the North Caucasus. But they continue to do it anyway. I once raised this issue with my colleague, also the President of the United States. He says, it's impossible, do you have proof? I said, yes. I was prepared for this conversation and I gave him that proof. He looked at it and you know what he said? I apologize, but that's what happened. The CIA replied, we have been working with the opposition in Russia, we believe that this is the right thing to do, and we will keep on doing it. The third moment is a very important one, is the moment when the US missile defense system was created. I had a very serious conversation with President Bush and his team. I proposed that the United States, Russia and Europe jointly create a missile defense system, but our proposal was declined, that's a fact. It was right then when I said, look, but then we will be forced to take countermeasures. And now I come to the main thing, they have come to the Ukraine ultimately. In 2008, at the summit in Bucharest, they declared that the doors for Ukraine and Georgia to join NATO were open. Viktor Yanukovych came to power and how? The first time he won after President Kuchma, they organized a third round, which is not provided for in the constitution of Ukraine. This is a coup d'etat. The US supported it and the winner of the third round came to power. In 2014, there was a coup, they started persecuting those who did not accept the coup, and it was indeed a coup. They created the threat to Crimea, which we had to take under our protection. They launched the war in Donbas in 2014 with the use of aircraft and artillery against civilians. We would have never considered to even lift a finger if it hadn't been for the bloody developments on Maidan. It was they who started the war in 2014. Our goal is to stop this war. And we did not start this war in 2022. 
This is an attempt to stop it. Wouldn't it be better to negotiate with Russia, make an agreement, already understanding the situation that is developing today, realizing that Russia will fight for its interests to the end? Listen, you have said that the world is breaking into two hemispheres. A human brain is divided into two hemispheres. One is responsible for one type of activities, the other one is more about creativity and so on. But it is still one and the same head. The world should be a single whole. Security should be shared rather than a meant for the golden billion. That is the only scenario where the world could be stable, sustainable and predictable. Until then, while the head is split right, into that, course, parts, is it is an interview with Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin. Edition. We're going to show you more clips and break it down on the other side. Stay with us. It's the American Journal. We'll be right back. It's Friday, February 9th in the year of 2024. And you're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. I think it's time to blow this thing, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. All right, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The American Journal. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. What a day yesterday turned out to be. One of the... One of the Downsides to having a morning show is stuff breaks in the afternoon. I got to wait till the next day to comment on it, but comment on it. We will. The dual stories of both Tucker Carlson releasing a two hour plus interview with Vladimir Putin. That turned out to be a bit of a history lesson as well as a a recent history lesson with the war in Ukraine. We'll break down that and some of the more important clips from it. And then Joe Biden, of course, the special counsel report. Basically saying he's, he's too stupid and demented to be charged with the crimes that he definitely committed. The big takeaway from yesterday is, uh, well, the, takeaway we've been yelling about for the last several years. The president of the United States is not the president of the United States. That's the the big takeaway for me from both of these stories, right? You've got Joe Biden being literally brain dead. I mean, we all know he is, but this report really puts it in stark and frankly terrifying terms. And we'll get into how much we can even rely on that After all, there is the possibility that Biden simply playing up his dementia and stupidity and memory issues like what mob bosses used to do and pretend to be senile in order to avoid being held to account for their crimes. And then you have Vladimir Putin telling story after story after story where he would suggest something to the American president. Why don't we cooperate on this missile program? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why don't we cooperate? Why doesn't Russia fully transition into just being another European state like Germany or France? Why don't don't you just treat us the same as you treat them? The president every single time seems says 
yeah, great. That sounds wonderful. I don't, that's, we should be cooperating only to come back a couple hours later and say, ah, yeah, it turns out that's not happening. That we're not going to do that. So they're not the ones making the decision. And that was a key part of the discussion between Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin, as you just saw there, that Tucker Carlson is literally asking Putin, like, so who runs the United States? So you've got an American journalist asking the Russian president, uh, who runs my country? Can you tell us who it is that's making the decisions that are leading us towards the down the path towards World War Three and keeping us at odds with Russia, despite any strategic reason for this being the case. So again, I mean, this is, we've known this for a while. After all, you've got the New York times back in like 2018, 2017 writing articles. It's like, yeah, the deep state is real and it's good. It's good that they're in charge. It's good that we don't have an elected representative running things. We have unaccountable shadow governments manipulating world events for their own ends, complete opposition to the will or benefit of the American people. So yeah, confirmed. It's basically confirmed. We live in an empire, a shadow empire that is working and, and utilizing America to achieve its ends, but they're not America's ends. They will weaponize the power of America to achieve certain political goals, but they're not political goals that have anything to do with benefit of the American people or the West as a whole. So we'll get into all of that. We'll show you the videos from Putin and uh, Tucker that are most pertinent to this conversation. And of course, we'll watch the press conference that Biden gave that will go down in history as maybe the worst presidential decision ever made, <laughs> the worst press conference ever given by the leader of a free of the free world. It's horrifying, honestly. It is horrifying. So let's just get into it. Here it is, your Daily Dispatch. Folks, here it is, your Daily Dispatch for Friday, the 9th of February, 2024, from the New York Post. Biden willfully kept classified info, would come off as an elderly man with poor memory at trial, scathing report says. Yes, it says he willfully retained and disclosed classified material, special counsel Robert Herr found in a bombshell report released Thursday, though Herr recommended against criminal charges, in part because a jury might view Biden as an elderly man with poor memory. This, of course, is a very, very thin excuse we've heard over and over and over again to the point that it's become a mantra of annoying repetition that nobody is above the law. Nobody is above the law in this country. It's a bedrock foundational premise of our entire system. Nobody is above the law, except Democrats, obviously, except for the people that they want to be above the law. They are above the law, actually. Nobody's above the law except for Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Hillary Clinton and everybody involved in their cabal and everybody they cooperate with and the continuous crimes that – and it's, it's almost routine at this point. It would be comical if it wasn't the destruction of our nation taking place right in front of our eyes. But it really reminds me nothing more and 
probably everybody feels this way of uh, James Comey giving the press conference about Hillary Clinton's email scandal just before the 2016 election. They literally come out and lay out, here's the crime she committed, this was a crime, and this was a crime, and this was a felony crime, and all of these could be tried at trial, but we're not going to. Here's a list of the crimes that have been committed, but we're not going to charge any of them at all. Infuriating beyond belief, obviously, but almost predictable in this day and age. Biden, 81, flouted legal restrictions on keeping sensitive documents throughout his 36 years in the Senate and after his eight years vice presidency, stashing them in cardboard boxes surrounded by household detritus in his garage in Wilmington, Delaware and other locations. The 388 page report said investigators even uncovered a recording of Biden confiding in his ghostwriter, Mark Zontenzer, in April 2017, three months after leaving the vice presidency, that he still had official records because, quote, I didn't want to turn them in. Sounding very similar to former President Donald Trump, who faces 40 criminal charges and up to 450 years in prison for resisting handing over documents after leaving the White House in 2021. Just again, we're just in this situation where it's just absurdly obvious what's going on. It's not up for debate. It's not questionable. The flailing attempts by the mainstream media to downplay or to reframe this circumstance in some way favorable to biden is is pathetic and transparent embarrassing almost that not only are they making this argument but that people are going to buy it it's just utterly pathetic and, and again we'll get into some of the more outrageous aspects of this uh been her the special counsel and this was all the way i mean this was like eight years ago or something so you know we've had eight years of of collapse of his mental faculties throughout that time but he didn't remember when he was vice president did not remember when he was vice president like didn't he remember the years that he was vice president it's like 2009 was i vice president then which again i i have to think that might be a, a bit of a, a bit of play acting from biden he's he's going with the i'm too stupid to commit crime defense which is, again, just embarrassing. He also apparently did not remember within several years when his son Bo died. He died in May 2015, in case you're listening, Mr. President. And his memory also appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him, amongst other things. He mistakenly said he had a real difference of opinion with General Kyle uh, Carl Eikenberry, when, in fact, Eikenberry was an ally whom Biden cited approvingly in his Thanksgiving memo to President Obama. So, again, the, uh, the question, obviously, everybody is asking is, who's really running our country? And the answer is a cabal of deep state actors that are well known to all of us. And none of this is particularly new. It's just been presented in, in really stark contrast to the way that America is supposed to work. Again, we'll get into some of that a little bit later. And we'll show you some videos of, again, the, the mainstream media trying to downplay or distract from this it's really something else meanwhile 
Vladimir Putin and Tucker Carlson had a two-hour conversation on Thursday. President Vladimir Putin spent two hours being quizzed by former President, uh, former Fox News host Tucker Carlson in a highly anticipated TV interview. The interview took place just ahead of the second anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and at a time when the United States politicians are pushing to restore military funding to Ukraine. Putin claimed Clinton flip-flopped on Russia joining NATO. But it wasn't, it wasn't Bill Clinton flip-flopping. It was the president of the United States saying, sure, you can join NATO, only to return two hours later and say, oh, no, I talked to, I talked to my team, and it turns out that that's definitely not going to happen. Putin says Russia is open to releasing a Wall Street journalist, uh, a Wall Street Journal journalist. This was uh, just one of the times that Tucker Carlson pushed Putin on a pretty uncomfortable topic. It was probably the only time in the conversation that Putin seemed a little bit shaken, honestly. He sort of was was knocked out of balance by that question, I think. And he starts talking about some other guy, some like Chechen terrorist that was killed. And so he used that and, you know, there's not really much Tucker Carlson can do in terms of, again, you can't just like interrupt because the thing you're interrupting was said like 10 seconds ago. So it just made it a little bit more difficult and it allowed for Putin to ramble for a little bit. I thought it was extremely interesting. We'll get into that again a little bit later. Uh, Putin also called U.S. military support of Ukraine a provocation. He laid out the timeline of, you know, how this entire conflict came to be. He was asked who blew up Nord Stream, and he pretty blatantly said it was the CIA. Very funny interaction that we'll show you the clip of in just a second. And they got into advances in AI and genetics. And that was interesting because it was Tucker that brought up AI and said, you know, when's the AI empire going to come? And uh, Putin laughed, but then immediately transitioned to genetic manipulation, saying that it's possible now to create super soldiers or, you know, genetically engineer scientists and that sort of thing. So that seems to be a greater concern to him than AI. And again, we'll get into that and we'll show you the clips uh, of, of importance here in just a second. But meanwhile, elsewhere in the world, Pakistan is stunned as early election results look like a real race. That's the headline from New York Times. Pakistani voters on Friday were anxiously awaiting the final results of a national election that has stunned many in the country by denying Pakistan's powerful military a widely expected landslide victory for its preferred party. That party, led by Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif, remained the front runner as preliminary totals trickled in the day after voting, but the prolonged uncertainty made clear that the military, long the guiding hand in Pakistani politics, had failed in its heavy-handed effort to gut a rival party affiliated with another former prime minister, Imran Khan. Of course, we've covered this extensively with the help of Simon from Florida, who's you know kept his, his finger on the pulse of this entire uh, conflict. But basically, Imran Khan was ousted in a coup d'etat. And it was his party that has won a massive victory. And basically, the party of Imran Khan, who is still in prison, but still the leader of this party, has now taken the majority of parliament, which is extremely interesting, especially when it comes to Pakistan's role in the rest of the Middle East conflict that we know continues to grow in uh, regional uh, participation. 
And finally, we have this. Trump wins Nevada Republican caucuses, continuing his march to the nomination. Former President Donald Trump easily won the Nevada caucus on Thursday. NBC News projects the fourth contest he's captured on his march to the GOP nomination. It was a glide path for Trump, who faced no major competition in the caucuses after most of his opponents dropped out of the race. And the last one standing, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, chose to compete in Nevada's state-sponsored primary Tuesday. In an embarrassing defeat, Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, lost decisively to, quote, none of these candidates by at least 30 points, according to the most recent vote tally. Trump gloated about the defeat on his truth social platform, writing a bad night for Nikki Haley, losing by almost 30 points in Nevada to none of these candidates. Watts, watch, she'll, she'll soon claim victory. But no, it's Trump's victory Thursday in which he claimed all 26 of Nevada's GOP delegates, further cementing his dominance among Republicans, even as Haley pledges she'll stay in, in the race for the February 24 South Carolina primary and possibly beyond. Haley's been making the rounds in California, which votes on Super Tuesday, March 5th, during Nevada's two contests. Trump, however, uh, held recent, val- uh, recent rallies in Las Vegas where he told Republicans, don't waste your time on the state-run primary. It doesn't mean anything, encouraging them st- instead to take part in the caucuses. So, yeah, Trump is the obvious and inevitable nominee, and resistance is futile. So what do we, what do we want to start with? Do we want to get in now to uh, what happened at the Joe Biden press conference? Because, good Lord— Good Lord, what a flaming wreck of an embarrassing, just failure. I mean, just failure on every front. I think we will. I think we will start with that, actually. An elderly man with poor memory. That was the quote from the report, perhaps the most damaging for the president. The special uh, counsel, Robert Hur, a former Maryland U.S. attorney, suggested the jurors should this go to trial, would not hold Biden liable for his actions on account of his perceived mental decline, even though he's seeking a second four-year term in November. So you want to talk about a lose-lose situation. Uh, I guess we're, we're stuck between either Joe Biden is a brain-dead, dementia-ridden, elderly man who can't remember, frankly, anything, in which case he shouldn't be president— and can't be charged for the crimes he committed, or he's very sharp and very with it and totally cognizant, in which case he should absolutely be charged for the crimes he committed. And it's not a debate whether he committed a crime, it's just a debate whether they feel like bringing it to a jury or not. Again, I, you know, I don't need to explain this. It's blatant, it's right there, it's in black and white. They say it. I don't have to imagine anything. He committed these crimes. He absolutely committed crimes willfully. That's the term they use. He willfully kept classified documents. He even referred to them as classified documents. He didn't say like, oh, the documents are in the basement. He said the classified top secret documents are in the basement. He perfectly cognizant of what he was doing at the time. He may be retarded now, but he wasn't at the time he was committing these crimes, so I don't even get how you can. It just doesn't make. I mean, none of this makes any sense. It's just doesn't. It doesn't have to. It doesn't make any sense. They literally just say he committed a crime, but we're not going to charge him. That's all that happened here. That's all that happened. They can come up with different reasons. They always have reasons. They had reasons for not wanting to charge Hillary Clinton when she committed crimes. In that case, it was that she 
She didn't do it on purpose. She didn't mean to break the law when she was breaking the law. I guess they can psychically interpret that somehow. That's the same thing with Hunter Biden. It's the same thing with any Democrat that commits crimes. They just get away with it. It's not that complicated. It's not that there's nothing to debate. There's no subtlety or nuance in any of this. They come out and say, here's the crimes they committed, but we're not charging them. And that's just how it works. So we can go to some of these clips. Uh, clip number three here uh, is Biden just uh, apparently thinks if he yells, that makes the lies more convincing, I guess. Let's go now to clip number three. information. I did not share it. With your ghostwriter. With my ghostwriter. I did not. Guarantee you did not. But what the special counsel said well, it. No, he did not say that. Okay. Oh, he did not say that. But Mr. President, what what about, let me okay, answer your question. The fact of the matter is, what I didn't want repeated, I didn't want him to know, and I didn't read it to him, was I had written a long memorandum to President Obama why we should not be in, this, in Afghanistan. And I was of multiple pages. And so what I was referring to, I said classified, I should have said it was, should be private because it was a contact between the president and the vice president as to what was going on. That's what he's referring to. It was not classified information in that document. Yeah, that was a lie. That's, that's a lie. It, it was classified documentation. I mean, that's what the special counsel report said. So I guess... Uh, that we can just ignore what he said because that that was a lie that whole thing that he just said was one big fat lie again we'll we'll get into more clips here on the other side all i know is that we've been right about everything the entire time constantly there's no debate anymore we are not ruled by our elected representatives we're we are ruled by an unelected a deep state that operates in perpetuity regardless of who gets into office the president of the United States. Uh, really, that's the big takeaway. The big takeaway here is that Joe Biden is the perfect puppet. I mean, just absolutely perfect. He's somebody that you can get to m- commit crimes and then point to and say, look how stupid and incompetent he is. You can't blame him for that. It's perfect. It's, it's ideal. Please go to InfoWarsStore.com and get amazing products like Next Level Foundational Energy. I don't have time to tell you about it. Just go research it. It is incredible. Just get it and you will be amazed. And then at least you know you're funding the operation. Get a copy of my book. That keeps me on air. Signed or unsigned. Fundraisers to sign copy. The Great Awakening. The plan to defeat the globalists and launch the next renaissance. Infowarsstore.com or 888-253-3139. In a galaxy of endless energy needs, the power of TurboForce rises above the rest. The force that propels you to tackle your day and face the dark side of fatigue. TurboForce ensures you stay sharp, alert, and at the top of your game. Don't let fatigue pull you into the dark side. Be the hero of your own saga. Harness the power, feel the rush, and take control with TurboForce. Visit InfoWarsStore.com today, and may the TurboForce be with you. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. 
idea that no person is above the law is a bedrock principle of American justice. No man is above the law, no matter what the crime. And I agree with you. No, no man is above the law. No person is above the law. No one is above the law. No one is above the law. No one's above the law. No one is above the law. No man is above the law. Nobody is above the law. No one is above the law. No man is above the law. He has to be held accountable. He's not above the law. No one's above the law. Either that nor any other title puts you above the rule of law. And no one is truly above the law. That is what it means to have a rule of law. That is what it means to not have a king. They're not above the law. Nobody is above the law. Everyone will be treated, as Merrick Garland has said, as, you know, equally. Well, that no one is above the law, which is foundational. No one is above the law, even a former president. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. No one is above the law. Uh, the law is a law, and no one should be above it. Yes, nobody is above the law. No one is above the law. No one else is above the law, including a president. Nobody is above the law. You can't have two justice systems in America. It has to be one justice system. And anybody who breaks the law should be held accountable. And that no one is above the law. Uh, no one is above the law, and uh, our president is not above the law. I always thought that this country, that no one was above the law especially the president's. Right. You can tell how serious they are by how often they say it. I mean, clearly, that's something they really deeply believe. I mean, it's not like these people are all despicable liars who say whatever is politically expedient at the time, only do completely backtrack and find fumbling excuses when it's their guy whose turn it is to be below the law. Yeah, they're all despicable liars. I don't, I, I don't really don't even know what else to tell you. As we've, uh, as we said previously, the special counsel, Robert Herr, came out with his 388-page indictment, really, of, of President Biden saying in no uncertain terms he absolutely violated the law. He absolutely held classified material that he was not allowed to have top secret stuff that he was not supposed to take with him. He showed it to people who didn't even have security clearance. That absolutely happened. There's no debate about it. They're just not charging him because he's above the law. See, there's no other excuse. There's no other reason they, they make it. Well, he he's too old and stupid to, you know, be convicted by a jury. I say, try anyway. I say, go ahead and give it a try. If a jury wants to sit there and go, well, this poor old man is just too stupid to understand what he did. Okay, you know, that might be the outcome. But to not try this in front of a jury, to not actually charge this, when Donald Trump, for exactly the same charge, now faces 450 years in prison. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's just right there, right in your face, right out in the open. It couldn't be more obvious. It's so obvious that even CNN can't spin it in any other way. Even even the, the biggest spin doctor, boot-licking, willfully blind leftist media outlets out there, I, they can't spin this in any other way than admitting that Joe Biden is apparently above the law. That's just how it's going. We just showed you the clip of uh, Joe Biden vehemently 
angrily denouncing the report and saying he did not share classified information, but he definitely did. So there's that. And even CNN recognizes it. Let's go down to clip uh, number five. This is we got a couple CNN clips here because even they cannot deny what is in black and white in the special counsel report. Let's go now to clip number five. Here are the facts. Joe Biden established by this report. Joe Biden retained sensitive classified documents after he left the vice presidency. Marked the, classified? Or? Yes, marked classified, highest level, top secret SCI. They related to our international affairs, to war plans, to foreign relations. He knew it. He knew it. He's on tape after he's out of the vice presidency saying to his autobiographer, the classified documents are in the basement. He knew it. But he just denied that. That's exactly. that, that so a key part of the report. It's a second sentence in the report. And he just denied sharing that with the ghostwriter. And I yep. just looked at this closely. Uh, they had recorded conversations between Biden and this ghostwriter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's a criminal. And then he lies about it. That's what criminals do. I don't know what's surprising about this. Uh, They went on to, again, make the distinction that, yes, he did share classified documents. Yes, he did retain classified documents. Yes, he did break the law. And importantly, he did it willfully, willfully. In other words, on purpose and knowingly. Right. The, The thin and, you know, equally nonsensical excuse they gave for not charging Hillary Clinton back in 2016 was was at least like well maybe she didn't willfully do it but in this case that's not even part of the discussion because as the cnn reporter again points out it's the second line on the document it says he willfully did this so let's go now to clip number six where again cnn has nothing to spin here it's all in black and white and undeniable let's watch that is what blew my mind about joe biden's statement except two major things he just outright contradicts or is contradicted by, however you look at this, this report. There are two things he said that are completely the opposite of what Robert Herr found. And who do you believe is up to, I guess, the individual consumer. First, Joe Biden says, I did not act willfully. Willfully just means voluntarily, intentionally. Well, the second sentence of this whole summary says, President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials. The facts in here show it was willful. He knew. He talked about it. And the second thing he says is, I did not disclose classified documents To my ghostwriter, page three says that he did that. He says, Mr. Biden shared information, including some classified information from those notebooks with his ghostwriter. (laughs) So, okay, so he definitely did it. He's definitely a piece, apparently above the law. This is completely insane. But importantly, the reason that they said that he's above the law, the reason that they're not charging him is because he's mentally incompetent. Again, we're in this situation where both of the Both of these things can't be true. He can't both be cognizant and capable of being president of the United States and incapable of standing trial for the crimes that he commits. These things, one of them has to be true and the other one has to not be true. He either is dangerously dementia ridden, in which case he should not be the one with his finger on the nuclear button. Or he is perfectly capable of serving as president, in which case he should not get away with committing crimes. You can't have both of these things. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I personally think that uh, they they sort of are, in a weird way, they are uh, both true, not, not to contradict myself like that, but 
he is sort of mentally retarded. He, he does have memory lapses that are embarrassing and on display constantly every time he speaks out loud. But he also is perfectly like he knows what he's doing in terms of the deception that he's able to carry out, the uh, way he's able to try to spin this. He, he definitely knows enough about what he's doing to recognize that he did commit the crime and did so willfully and is now lying about it. Let's go down to clip number 10, where Joe Biden just, you know, when, when there's nothing, when there's no logical argument to make, uh, he goes for the emotional one. Let's go to clip 10 here. Well, there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? How dare he? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself. <laughs> how dare he raise my son, Bo? Uh, you get how ridiculous that is, right? Joe Biden deploys his dead son like a shield every chance he gets. It's the most cynical, despicable thing he does, and he does it all the time, whether it's to people who have, their sons have died because of decisions Biden has made, and he goes, well, my son Bo died in Iraq. No, he didn't. He died from brain cancer in 2015. So for him to be outraged that they bring up Bo, uh, well, you bring up Bo all the time as a shield, you cynical bastard. Folks, we're standing up for our rights. We're standing up for your rights. We're standing up for all of our freedoms and our children. If you don't spread the word about the broadcast, if you don't share the links, if you don't buy products at InfoWarsTore.com, then... I'm not griping at you. I'm just saying, what are you doing? Less than 1% of you ever buy a product at InfoWarsStore.com. If just a half a percent more would go buy a book or a film or a t-shirt or get some of our great supplements and then reorder them because they really work, just try it. We would be able to do so many things. I'm praying to God that he'll touch your heart to decide to support us. InfoWarsStore.com. It's been sold out. It's back in stock. Reformulated even stronger. Nitric boost to clean out your blood and your whole body. Vasodilation. It's got a lot of wonderful side effects, and I mean good ones. I'm going to leave it at that. It is powerful, so be careful with it. Next Level Foundational Energy, InfoWarsStore.com or 888-253-3139. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man, but I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you. And that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me, not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because you're a bad person, because you're a good person, because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. And that's why I want you always to remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
Welcome back, folks. This is the American Journal. The Journal of American Decline. Getting the big takeaway from both the events yesterday, whether it's Putin's interview with Tucker Carlson or Joe Biden just going down in flames in front of everybody. I mean, the big takeaway is the president of the United States is not the president of the United States. They're not in charge. Joe Biden is the perfect puppet. He's the ideal Manchurian candidate, just incapable of of stringing together a sentence. It really is pathetic. Elderly man with poor memory is the way he's described in the in the documents. And we'll go to the clips of uh, Putin's interview in the next hour, but sticking with what happened yesterday to Joe Biden in front of everybody? You know, obviously, there, there's no way he can be the candidate now. I mean, it's just not possible. It's just not possible. So who's going to be the replacement candidate? Uh, has a bunch of people talking. Obviously, Michelle Obama's name getting dropped quite a bit. Got to wonder if Gavin Newsom is waiting in the wings to come in. I mean, it's... Uh, The good news is it doesn't matter. The good news is, I guess, that it doesn't matter if the president is a brain-dead criminal because he's not actually the one making decisions about what's going on in the world. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. So again, just to just give you a little breakdown here. Special counsel Robert Hur determined that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified material after leaving office as vice president in 2016. The records kept by Biden include documents on military and foreign policy in Afghanistan, as well as other national security and foreign policy issues. Biden kept the classified documents in part to assist with the writing of his memoirs. According to the report, Biden told a ghostwriter in 2017 in a 2017 conversation that he'd just found all the classified stuff downstairs referring to it as classified. Despite the findings, hers 388-page report recommended that the president not face charges. And of course, the, the irony is palpable. And you've got President Trump facing 450 years for pretty much exactly the same thing, and Biden is being let off scot-free with the excuse that he's too senile to be held to account for this. Special counsel noted that Biden would likely present himself to a jury as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory if he were to face a trial. It's just it's just ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. You know. There are members of Trump's team that are being charged just for moving boxes, just for moving boxes from one room to another, and they're facing charges. You know, unfair doesn't even begin to describe it. Rule of law is just non-existent anymore. None of this would be an issue if the Democrats as a whole had just a modicum of shame in their being, but there's none of that. It's it's honestly just, it's just sad watching our country be destroyed and time and time again, the people in charge will go out and and you know put on their most sincere face as they say nobody's above the law they'll cry crocodile tears at the importance of our system and our democracy now donald trump violates it by not doing anything we can charge him with (laughs) 
And then it's like, okay, well, Joe Biden did exactly the same thing. He's on tape admitting it, calling the things classified. So where's the crocodile tears now? Where's the the principles now? Like you just realize we're just we're dealing with this elite class in the media and in politics, in the deep state, or in the party systems that are just this 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 ooze, right? This formless, shapeless monster that believes nothing, can never be pinned down or held to account for anything constantly covering themselves up in the most blatant and egregious way. And this isn't new, right? This would be something if it was like, like this would be shocking. This would be a shocking thing to happen if this was the first time that this type of thing had happened. I remember being shocked when you heard James Comey go up and go, Hillary Clinton violated this law. She broke this law. She broke this law. And we will not be prosecuting. Good night. That was pretty shocking back in 2016. But since then, it's been such a regular thing whether it's Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or Joe Biden's brother or any of the other criminal cabal that runs this country. So this isn't even shocking anymore. It's just another point. It's just another data point. It's another aspect, another instance in which the blatant criminality of the protected class goes totally unpunished. They do it right in front of our faces. So just take that into account. Just think about that in terms of what needs to be done in the future and how we repair what's been done to America over the last several years, several decades even. There is no redress to be found through the system. It does not exist. It cannot exist. And there's no amount of shame or or embarrassment that these people even seem to respond to. It's it's actually literally it's pathetic is what it is. Let's go now to clip number fourteen. This again was from the press conference yesterday when he uh, starts yelling again for no reason because he's not just a forgetful, dementia-ridden, incompetent old man. He's also a bastard. He's also just a mean, angry person who lashes out at the slightest question of his competence, despite his incompetence being readily on display for anybody who's paying attention. Clip number 14 is uh, he's asked about this and again, lashes out in anger because he is a simultaneously dementia ridden old man and a petulant child. Let's go now to clip number 14. For months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Well, many American people have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your judgment. To public that is not the judgment concerns. of the press. They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? Why, what is your answer to that question? Because I'm the most question? qualified person in this country country be president of the United States and finish the job I started. Finish the job I started. I will destroy America completely before I'm done. And of course, the big, probably you know, most embarrassing thing happened the whole time, right? So special counsel report comes out saying he's uh, a criminal. He broke the law. He should be facing charges. They're not going to charge him because he's too stupid to be charged. And in order to 
combat this. He goes out and gives a press conference long, long after his bedtime, 7.45 p.m. It's a dangerous time to try to talk to the president of the United States. And he ends up uh, saying that it's the president of Mexico that didn't want to open the gate to Gaza. It's um, just as bad as as we all know. It, like we're all perfectly aware of how incompetent this man is. Let's go now to clip number nine. Uh, Joe Biden, here he is proving that he has the cognitive ability to run the world's foremost superpower. Clip number nine. The conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been... um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, initially the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. Hey, in his defense, from a purely racist perspective, it's a very easy mistake to make. Brown people with pyramids, Mexico, Egypt, eh, it's all guys there, whatever. It's those people. Those people that aren't to us are important, I guess, is how he might see it. So, you know, I guess that's understandable. I guess that's understandable. As an elderly, confused, shouting old man, He would confuse Mexico with Egypt. An easy mistake to make, I suppose. (laughs) We'll show you clips from the Putin interview on the other side. Again, the big takeaway here. The presidency and everything about it. Big puppet show. People behind the scenes making the actual decisions that are destroying this country. Because they're not American. Naturally sourced from the finest hemp plants in America, Rebel Zen offers the absolute finest quality CBD available and at the lowest prices. Extracted using a cold-pressed technique to retain the molecular integrity of the cannabinoids and terpenes within the plant, this full-spectrum formula ensures that your nervous system gets the full benefits of CBD. Premium quality organic CBD, like Rebel Zen, has been shown to naturally reduce anxiety, relieve pain, and decrease inflammation. People have reported a reduction in symptoms of insomnia, arthritis, seizures, chronic pain, and epilepsy. Several studies have shown it helps to reduce cortisol, increase serotonin, and boost vitality. Order yours today at InfoWarsStore.com. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Welcome back, folks. Second hour of The American Journal is on. Move on to uh, Putin Tucker interview now. Before we do, I do want to note this stealth edit made by The New York Times, since it's something that we talk about constantly, the way that just very real obvious issues 
that everybody should be concerned about are constantly framed as if they are some sort of devious political move by Republicans simply noticing what's going on. So they, they did it again here. And people are getting sick of this, so sick of it that they stealth edited the uh, headline because it's so obvious what they're doing. New York Times, election 2024, Republicans pounce on report that puts spotlight on Biden's memory lapses. Republicans pounce. No, Republicans aren't pouncing on anything. Republicans are noting the results of a special counsel investigation that said Joe Biden broke the law, but that he's too stupid and senile to know that he broke the law. That's that's a big issue, as anybody will recognize. And of course, but they have to frame it like this. They have to guide their sheep in a way that that makes it seem like noticing this or or somehow being concerned that the president is a retarded criminal uh, is a bad thing. That makes you like a Republican. You're pouncing on this. Leave the poor man alone. So they changed it to, quote, my memory is fine. A defiant Biden declares after special counsel report. So, yeah, they had to change. They had to stealth edit that special counsel opted not to pursue charges against the president, but raised questions about his mental acuity, which the White House disputes. Again, dispute it all you want. It's not like it's a rare thing. It's every time Biden goes into public, every time he speaks, there is some embarrassing lapse. It's not the first it's not the first time this week that he has. In fact, we'll go ahead and go to this clip. We'll get to the we got a long segment commercial free after after a minute break here. So we'll get to the Putin uh, Tucker Carlson thing. But just before we do that again, this is so bad. CNN and MSNBC, they're not able to ignore it. Let's go now to clip number eight. Watch this, uh, the possibly the most shameless, bootlicking, deceptive little rat in the entire government at this point, Dan Goldman, try to claim that Biden is not just, you know, not dementia-ridden and incompetent, but the smartest, sharpest person he's ever met. These people, people vote for these people. It's, it's wild. But before that, uh, Jake Tapper, whoever this is, is it Tapper? He relays just, just a few of the egregious mistakes that Biden has made in the past week, because it's every time the man opens his mouth, something embarrassing comes out. Clip number eight here. The memory lapses that President Biden is described as having in this report this is not the first time anybody's raised issues of President Biden's acuity. And in fact, twice this week, President Biden referenced uh, European leaders, conversations he had with them in 2021, when both those European leaders had long been dead. He confused Macron with Mitterrand. He confused Helmut Kohl with Angela Merkel. Uh, are you really acting as if there's nothing to these issues or these concerns? Well, I, I saw from the White House counsel that they disputed this uh, recollection of the interview. And I will tell you, Jake, uh, I was in Israel on October 7th, as you know, and President Biden was nice enough to call me. And I can tell you, this was the day before that interview, I can tell you he was sharper than anyone I've spoken to about a very complex geopolitical urgent issue. He's so sharp. He's so sharp. He's so with it. He's so he's so cognitively present. 
So he should definitely be charged with the crimes he committed, right? Is that what you're... No, that's not what you're saying. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Again, you can't have it both ways. And Joe Biden likely, you know, likewise can't have it both ways in that he is constantly using his dead son as a shield for criticism. Anytime someone brings up like, well, you know, you got a bunch of people killed in Afghanistan. He'll go, well, my son Bo also died. So how dare you question me? But he doesn't even. Listening to the American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. All right, folks, welcome back. Again, the big takeaway from yesterday is America is now openly run by a cabal of deep state actors that persists regardless of who is elected to the presidency. We both saw this on display in terms of the statements made about his about Biden's mental acuity being incapable of remembering anything. I mean, it would it's almost to the point where it's like it would be irresponsible of the deep state to treat this man like the president. Be irresponsible to put a, a mentally incapacitated psychopath in charge of world decisions. So, of course, the deep state actors have to take control and make decisions for him. This is nothing new. In fact, it's been going on for literally decades. In the Putin interview, he basically mentions every single president prior to Trump as not making the decisions, not making decisions for America. It goes all the way back to George H.W. Bush. That was where he, ta- he was talking about a missile program, missile defense program, actually, that America was working on with countries from Europe. And Russia said, well, why don't, why don't we also help you? Don't we contribute to this after all? not the Soviet Union anymore. Why don't we fully enter into the family of nations that comprises Europe and the West? And George H.W. Bush said, that's a great idea. I think that's a really good idea. And then two hours later, comes back and says, oh, actually, that's not going to happen. And you really, the overall, my overall takeaway from what Putin discussed with Tucker Carlson was this idea of the fall of the Soviet Union took place. And ever since then, Russia has basically just been trying to be another European country. They're like, hey, you know, Germany was the Nazis, and they seem to have been rehabilitated and folded into the family of nations. Why not Russia also? Why not just treat us like any other European country? We're not a threat to you. We're not communist. We're not expanding. We're not an empire. The Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. We're the nation state of Russia, just like the nation state of Germany or the nation state of France. Why can we not participate? Like You get this almost like schoolyard feeling of a kid just like being like, can I play with you guys? And America is holding the ball with Germany and France just going, uh, no, you can't play with us. Go over there. You're our enemy still. 
And you get this sense that the people that actually run the world in our country, the deep state actors in the State Department and the CIA and elsewhere, sort of just want to continue to have a boogeyman. They need to continue to have opposition to justify their war aims, their global manipulations. Like it would all sort of, it would, you wouldn't have an excuse to start wars. You wouldn't have an excuse to build military bases if you were to treat Russia like any other country, even if they deserve it, even if there's no reason not to, they want to just keep them there sort of on the back burner as like a potential geopolitical enemy, despite not having any reason to do it. But they want them there because you need division to cause the strife, to give you the power that you need to reshape the world as you see fit. That's the overall takeaway that I got from the the whole interview. We'll we'll go to some of these uh, clips here, some pretty bombshell information. Not that any of it's new to us. I mean, it's all readily apparent if you just pay attention, but it's nice to see it displayed in this interview that at this point has received over 100 million views on X and the Tucker Carlson network. Let's go now to clip number 19, where Vladimir Putin just gives a very quick rundown of the timeline that led up to the war in Ukraine in 2022. Uh, Clip number 19. So in 2008, the doors of NATO were opened for Ukraine. In 2014, there was a coup. They started persecuting those who did not accept the coup. And it was indeed a coup. They created the threat to Crimea, which we had to take under our protection. They launched the war in Donbass in 2014 with the use of aircraft and artillery against civilians. This is when it all started. There is a video of aircraft attacking Donetsk from above. They launched a large-scale military operation, then another one. When they failed, they started to prepare the next one. All this against the background of military development of this territory and opening of NATO's doors. How could we not express concern over what was And he also points out that, you know, throughout all of this, so, you know, to him, the war began in 2014 with the coup, or even before in in 2008. So he's like, he's like, I didn't start the war in February of 2022. He's like, this is the action I took to end the war that had been going on since 2014 and the attacks on the Donbass, et cetera, et cetera. And he gets into the the whole history of it. It's, it's, It's a big meme. Now, right, he spends like 30 minutes talking about the entire history of Russia. But he's making important points that Ukraine was always a part of Russia and that when Ukraine was created, it was given parts of Russia with the understanding, with the agreement, with the treaties in place saying there'll be a neutral state that will not be home to NATO military bases or NATO expansion and that they would have never made those concessions and never would have given them independence at all if they knew that it would then you know be used as a geopolitical pawn against them and it would it would be like and you can't actually ever imagine this but it would be like if you know america started to collapse and so they said okay we're gonna we're gonna have a a new republic it's gonna be called the republic of texas 
and we're going to give you Louisiana and Oklahoma as well, but you got to agree to stay neutral. Like, that's how intimately tied in Ukraine was to the rest of Russia. It was like a very much Russian state from its creation. And he takes it all the way back to literally the 800s, the Kievan Rus and the uh, Varangians. It's like, all that makes perfect sense. I, you know, people acting like this was some wild tangent where you're just rambling about history. Well, we're talking about history. We're talking about how we got to the point that we're at now. All of that makes perfect sense. Let's go now to clip number 22 here, where, again, he talks about just one of the many examples where Putin seems to have an agreement with the American president only for the American president to come back and say, powers greater than me don't want Russia as a part of their, as part of the, the global community. So let's go now to clip number 22. At a meeting here in the Kremlin with the outgoing President Bill Clinton, right here in the next room, I said to him, I asked him, Bill, do you think if Russia asked to join NATO, do you think it would happen? Suddenly he said, you know, it's interesting. I think so. But in the evening, when we met for dinner, he said, you know, I've talked to my team. No, no, it's not possible now. You can ask him. I think he will watch our interview. He'll confirm it. I wouldn't have said anything like that if it hadn't happened. Okay. Were you sincere? It's impossible now. Would you have joined NATO? Look, I asked the question, is it possible or not? And the answer I got was no. If I was insincere in my desire to find out what the leadership position was... But if he had said yes, would you have joined NATO? If he had said yes, the process of rapprochement would have commenced, and eventually it might have happened, if we had seen some sincere wish on the other side of our partners. But it didn't happen. Well, no means no. Okay, fine. Why do you think that is? Just to get to motive, I know you're clearly bitter about it. Um, I understand. But why do you think the West rebuffed you then? Why the hostility? Why did the end of the Cold War not fix the relationship? What motivates this from your point of view? You said I was bitter about the answer. No, it's not bitterness. It's just a statement of fact. We're not bride and groom, bitterness, resentment. It's not about those kind of matters in such circumstances. We just realized we weren't welcome there, that's all. Okay, fine. But let's build relations in another manner. Let's work for common ground elsewhere. So that's just one example. There was another one even before President Clinton. So again, he says, hey, why don't we join NATO? After all, NATO, the entire point of NATO, in case you don't know, it was a block of countries as a defensive alliance against the Soviet Union. As soon as the Soviet Union fell, there was no point in NATO existing anymore. And that the ultimate like death knell of it would be Russia joining because Russia was the reason it was created in the first place. It doesn't exist anymore. So he's like, hey, why don't, why don't we join? And you can even tell there, he sort, it was sort of a, 
a probing question going, is NATO still operating against Russia? And of course, the answer came back, yes, NATO is still planning operations against Russia. They're still consider Russia an enemy that cannot join the alliance because you can't have an alliance with your enemy. But importantly, it was, you know, Clinton's desire. He's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Let's do it. And he comes back two hours later. I was told it was very interesting. I said, just imagine if we could tackle such a global strategic security challenge together. The world will change. We'll probably have disputes, probably economic and even political ones, but we could drastically change the situation in the world. He says yes and asks, are you serious? I said, of course. We need to think about it, I'm told. I said, go ahead, please. Then Secretary of Defense Gates, former director of CIA and Secretary of State Rice came in here, in this cabinet, right here at this table. They sat on this table. Me, the foreign minister, the Russian defense minister on that side, they said to me, yes, we have thought about it, we agree. I said, thank God, great but with some exceptions. So twice you've described U.S. presidents making decisions and then being undercut by their agency heads. So it sounds like you're describing a system that's not run by the people who are elected in your telling. That's right, that's right. In the end, they just told us to get lost. I'm not going to tell you the details because I think it's incorrect. After all, it was confidential conversation. But our proposal was declined, that's a fact. It was right then when I said, look, but then we will be forced to take countermeasures. We will create such strike systems that will certainly overcome missile defense systems. The answer was, we are not doing this against you, and you do what you want, assuming that it is not against us, not against the United States. I said, okay. Very well. That's the way it went. And we created hypersonic systems with intercontinental range, and we continue to develop them. We are now ahead of everyone, the United States and the other countries, in terms of the development of hypersonic strike systems, and we are improving them every day. But it wasn't us. We proposed to go the other way, and we were pushed back. Now, about NATO's expansion to the east. Well, we were promised no NATO to the east, not an inch to the east, as we were told. And then what? They said, well, it's not enshrined on paper, so we'll expand. So there were five waves of expansion. The Baltic states, the whole of Eastern Europe, and so on. And now I come to the main thing. They have come to the Ukraine, ultimately. In 2008, at the summit in Bucharest, they declared that the doors for Ukraine and Georgia to join NATO were open. Now about so how can, decisions uh, we can, we can are pause made. It there, because we already heard that part already. And then there's another point where he's talking about CIA backing separatist terrorists, basically. And... Putin actually has to tell the American president, I think it was George Bush Jr. at the, like George W. Bush at the time. He's like, you know, the CIA is backing these separatists. He's backing these terrorist attacks against Russia. And you saw the clip in the first five minutes of this show, the report put out by Greg Reese. 
using clips from that interview where he says, the, the president said, he says, pardon my language, but he says, I'm going to, I'll kick their ass. Basically, like they're doing that without my permission. I never told them to go back the separatist. And it was just yet another example of the American president not even knowing what the intelligence services are doing, not even knowing that the intelligence services are backing separatist terrorists, being told this by Putin, saying that's not right, that's not okay, don't worry, I'll tell them to stop doing that, only to then come back a couple hours later and say, oh, actually, we are backing the separatists and we're going to continue to back the separatists, and that's our policy and we're going to continue to pursue that. So again, you just have to put yourself in the position of Russia where, and I, I can't find anything that contradicts the way Putin tells things, right? That Russia seems to, at least on the surface, be sincerely wanting to cooperate with the United States, cooperate with the West, be a part of the agreements, be a part of the military block. Like they want to participate and America purposefully keeps them at arm's length and is sponsoring separatist groups and is violating treaties to expand NATO and to take Ukraine and build military bases there. And in every pass, Russia is like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? The American president says, oh, I have no idea why that's happening. Gee, that's not right. We shouldn't be doing that. Only to be told by somebody in the shadows, actually, we are going to keep doing this. We are sponsoring. I mean, you can just imagine if the shoe was on the other foot, right? You can just imagine if Russia was funding some, like funding the Mexican cartels as they attempted to like take over an American state. And America's like, what are you doing? Russia's like, well, we're just going to keep doing this. This is our plan actually. And we're going to keep doing it. Although it's not even the Russian president making the decision. It's some remnant of the KGB still controlling Russia. I mean, that's the big takeaway. The big takeaway here has to be that we do not control our country. The American president is not the American president. He is a puppet of people who seem to have some insistent desire to take out Russia, to destroy Russia. They have a hatred of Russia that has nothing to do with the benefit or policies of America and the American people. But instead, they see the American people and even the American president as a tool to carry out their own geopolitical aims. And Tucker Carlson actually held an interview with Colonel McGregor, where he was asked about this, asked about the people actually making these decisions. And they're the same ones that have been decision makers in our foreign policy since the George H.W. Bush era. And they seem to have some sort of deep-seated hatred of Russia not from any American perspective, but from their own. Uh, he was asked about this, clip number 24. Here's Colonel McGregor a couple months ago being asked about who it is that's making these decisions to overthrow the elected president in Ukraine, uh, install a, a puppet president, I mean, it's Victoria Newland and Robert Kagan. I mean, the, these are the main heads, but you've got Anthony Blinken in there as well. So let's go now to uh, clip number 24. Who is Victoria Newland? Oh, goodness gracious. All these hard questions. <laughs> I, I do not know Victoria Newland personally. I, I know Fred Kagan and his brother Bob is married to her. And she's a long-term uh, committed neocon. Uh, this is someone I would not characterize as either Democrat or Republic. 
These are people with this agenda, and the agenda says until the entire world is garrisoned by U.S. forces and is converted forcibly to some form of democracy that we approve of, uh, the world will not be safe and we must continue to fight. And I think in the, in the case of Russia, Russia has special appeal because I think these people have ancestors who came from that region of the world and have a permanent axe to grind with the Russians, uh, which, of course, I don't. I don't think most Americans do, and nor do I think anybody in government should shape policy based on whatever unhappiness their ancestors, you know, experienced in, in a place like Russia. So I, I, that's a that's a nutshell, but I think that's enough. And wherever she goes, uh, usually there is conflict, crisis, and fighting. I, I've met the national security types when I was uh, at the Hudson Institute for many years, and they're crazy. They they are filled with hatred uh, of the stories that they grew up about their family suffering and the Holocaust. And uh, they look at the whole rest of the world as being uh, potential enemies that somehow want to put them in the gas chambers. And these are, uh, are twisted uh, people. And indeed, uh, this is why people are afraid of the Twisted people the indeed. We'll be right back. I'm not perfect. I'm under a lot of stress. But if I didn't have the supplements we have we promote, I wouldn't be able to continue to be on air. And when you go to InfoWarsStore.com, you are funding the tip of the spear in the fight against the globalists in an operation that the enemy admits has been the most effective at exposing them. Because we're fearless and we don't back down. We got God on our side. But God needs to work through you. You've got to make the decision to get great products you already need at InfoWarsStore.com. And that is a 360 win. Nitric Boost, without me even knowing, became our number three bestseller because people loved it so much. They had such great effects. Got all these natural compounds to clean out the blood, open up your arteries and veins and capillaries, clean out your heart, your brain, everything. Well, we got an even better manufacturer. The other one was great, but one that's even better with even higher quality ingredients at a lower price. So I could never offer nitric boosts. It costs us so much to make. And now we can offer it for 40% off. Infowarstore.com, nitric boost, finally back in stock. 40% off out of the gates. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. All right, welcome back, folks. We continue to show you some important clips from the Putin interview, where, again, he's giving history that we've explained to you before, you know, how all this came about. He gets into details with it, and he lays out exactly what the conflict was that really, in a lot of ways, forced Russia's hand. And he, he makes the point that if the geopolitical goals of the Western Bloc and NATO and America and Victoria Newland and Robert Kagan and the people that actually run our country, if their goal was to open up Ukraine to EU trade, it, it was possible. It could have been done. They just had to take Russia into account. They just had to not do it in a way that forcefully blocked Russia from an important strategic partner of theirs in Ukraine. And he, he sort of just like, why, why were they so impatient? Why do a coup? 
you can negotiate. We could talk about this. We can figure out how to make things work for everybody. But it wasn't going fast enough for their liking, so instead they 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 did my Don, essentially. And he gets into all the details, really important stuff around the 40-minute mark of this interview. So let's start here at around 40 minutes, and you have Putin explaining is all the way back prior to 2014, this goes all the way back to 2008, and he describes the way that the negotiations to open Ukraine to EU trade was not something that Russia was going to simply rubber stamp and say, yeah, that's fine, because, and he explains it. So we'll, we'll expand on it. But again, this is just basic history. Everybody who has sincerely studied the Ukraine situation, whether that's, I mean, anybody who's even just watched a documentary or two about Maidan understands that what Putin is saying here is not some sort of Soviet lie, as I've seen it portrayed on Twitter. This is just what actually happened. And you can say, well, they should have, you know, Russia just rolled over. Russia should have just accepted this. But we wouldn't. We wouldn't be expected to accept this happening to a primary strategic ally of ours that was once within our own nation. I mean, to expect them to just take this type of behavior. It was, it was stupid. It was stupid to think that Russia was incapable of defending its natural uh, national interest, which seems to be the mindset of the people who brought all of this about. So starting at around 40 minutes here, uh, Putin gets into what happened between 2008 and 2014. Let's watch. The U.S. supported it and the winner of the third round came to power. Imagine if in the U.S. something was not to someone's liking and the third round of election, which the U.S. Constitution does not provide for, was organized. Nonetheless, it was done in Ukraine. Okay, Viktor Yushchenko, who was considered a pro-Western politician, came to power. Fine. We have built relations with him as well. He came to Moscow with visits. We visited Kiev. I visited too. We met in an informal setting. If he's pro-Western, so be it. It's fine. Let people do their job. The situation should have developed inside the independent Ukraine itself. As a result of Kuchma's leadership, things got worse and Viktor Yanukovych came to power after all. Maybe he wasn't the best president and politician, I don't know. I don't want to give assessments. However, the issue of the association with the EU came up. We have always been lenient to this, suit yourself. But when we read through the Treaty of Association, it turned out to be a problem for us, since we had a free trade zone and open customs borders with Ukraine, which under this association had to open its borders for Europe, which could have led to flooding of our market. We said, no, this is not going to work. We shall close our borders with Ukraine then. The customs borders, that is. Yanukovych started to calculate how much Ukraine was going to gain, how much to lose, and said to his European partners, I need more time to think before signing. The moment he said that, the opposition began to take destructive steps which were supported by the West. 
It all came down to Maidan and a coup in Ukraine. So he did more trade with Russia than with the EU. Ukraine did. Of course. It's not even the matter of trade volume, although for the most part it is. It is the matter of cooperation size, which the entire Ukrainian economy was based on. The cooperation size between the enterprises were very close since the times of the Soviet Union. One enterprise there used to produce components to be assembled both in Russia and Ukraine, and vice versa. They used to be very close ties. A coup d'etat was committed, although I shall not delve into details now, as I find doing it inappropriate. The so, in 2008, the doors of NATO were opened for Ukraine. In 2014, there was a coup, they started persecuting those who did not accept the coup, and it was indeed a coup. They created a threat to Crimea, which we had to take under our protection. They launched the war in Donbass in 2014 with the use of aircraft and artillery against civilians. This is when it all started. There is a video of aircraft attacking Donetsk from above. They launched a large-scale military operation, then another one. When they failed, they started to prepare the next one. All this against the background of military development of this territory and opening of NATO's doors. How could we not express concern over what was happening? So again, we, we can, we can pause side, right there. But we know, uh, you know, Victoria Newland and the American State Department and CIA helped to orchestrate all of this. It's not even, this is just history. This is just what actually happened. It's, it's on Wikipedia, right? It's not, uh, you don't have to go to some Russian website to find this narrative. It's, it's right here uh, on Victoria Newland's page, Ukraine. During the Maidan uprising in Ukraine, Newland made appearances supporting the Maidan protesters in December 2013. She said in a speech to the U.S.-Ukraine Foundation that the U.S. had spent about $5 billion on democracy-building programs in Ukraine since 1991. The Russian government seized on this statement, claiming it was evidence the U.S. was orchestrating a color revolution. On February 4th, 2014, a recording of a phone call between Newland and U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Jeffrey Piat on January 28th, 2014, was published on YouTube. The call followed an offer made on January 25th, 2014, by Ukraine President Yanukovych to include two members of the opposition party to calm the Maidan protests in Ukraine, one being that of his prime minister. Newland and Piat voiced their, uh, their opinions of this offer, specifically on the post of prime minister, giving their opinion of several opposition personalities, Newland told Piat that uh, Yatsenyuk uh, would be the best candidate to hold the position. Newland suggested the United Nations rather than the EU should be involved in the full political uh, solution, adding F the EU. The following day, the deputy spokesperson, deputy head of the press information for the German federal government, said that uh, Angela, Merkel, Angela Merkel termed Newland's remarks absolutely unacceptable. So, again, you've got... Yanukovych, as, as he lays it out, as we've laid it out, as everybody who's ever paid attention has laid it out, they wanted to do a trade deal with the EU. Russia said, all right, well, if you open up your border to EU, you can't have a border open with Russia at the same time because that would flood our market and cause a massive disruption in our economics. So you got to choose. Do you want to continue to have a common market with Russia, or do you want to move into the EU? You can't have both. You've got to choose. And it was as soon as Yanukovych said, 
okay, well, you know, maybe this EU decision isn't the optimal way to go. Maybe we should retain our connections to Russia. That was when the coup was launched, when the Maidan protest broke out, when Maidan snipers uh, in the Maidan camp actually shot at Maidan protesters, causing worldwide outrage as a way to oust the president and put in a uh, Western-backed puppet as displayed in the Victoria Newland phone call. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. But folks, we're standing up for our rights, we're standing up for your rights, we're standing up for all of our freedoms and our children. If you don't spread the word about the broadcast, if you don't share the links, if you don't buy products at InfoWarsStore.com, then I'm not griping at you, I'm just saying, what are you doing? Less than 1% of you ever buy a product at InfoWarsStore.com. If just a half a percent more would go buy a book or a film or a t-shirt or get some of our great supplements and then reorder them because they really work, just try it. We would be able to do so many things. I'm praying to God that he'll touch your heart to decide to support us. Infowarsstore.com. It's been sold out. It's back in stock. Reformulated even stronger. Nitric boost to clean out your blood and your whole body. Vasodilation. It's got a lot of wonderful side effects, and I mean good ones. I'm going to leave it at that. It is powerful, so be careful with it. Next Level Foundational Energy, Infowarsstore.com or 888-253-3139. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be joined in the next hour by Alex Newman. Talk about his new book, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death. We're excited to uh, talk to him about that. We're going to finish up here with a few more clips from the Putin-Tucker Carlson interview, which, again, was just nothing that was said in the interview really should have been new to anybody that at least watches InfoWars, since we've been talking about all of this stuff since the beginning. It's not that difficult. It's like, unless you see America as some sort of paragon of virtue that can do no wrong and whose actions are never to be questioned, it's, it's pretty obvious what's behind all of this. And while you're not going to find an outlet more patriotic and actually embodying the spirit and principles the foundation of this country, again, Wars is head and shoulders above other outlets. We aren't blind to the 
dishonest maneuvers of the people who run our country at this point because they their designs and their desires fly in the face of what would benefit the average American person or us collectively. And so it was a simple matter of just looking into the events that happened that aren't talked about in mainstream media because we all know how intimately intertwined the mainstream media is with the deep state, State Department, CIA, shadow government operation. So once again, you know, we're in this position where we've just, we've just been right the entire time about what's going on, about the decisions being made, about how Russia will react to them. And we'll continue to just try to tell the truth about what's going on and uh, continue to try to prevent the spiral towards towards World War III, which, like everything else that's happened in Ukraine and the Middle East and with China and everywhere else, is, is deliberately designed to undermine and destroy America while simultaneously using America to achieve political ends. I hope you can support us in this mission by going to InfoWarsStore.com. InfoWarsStore.com is the only way that we get funding. It's the only way that we're able to sit here and tell you the truth about what's going on day after day, hour after hour. As we watch geopolitical events unfold in a predictable but horrifying direction, support us as we strive to rescue humanity from the psychopaths that are driving us towards extinction go to infowarsstore.com get yourself a product nitric boost still 40 percent off incredible product for heart health cardiovascular health immune support exercise performance everybody every age every health level can benefit from nitric boost and that's just one of the incredible products at infowarsstore.com including things like turbo force also 40 percent off the great energy drink mix, one of my favorite products since I'm mildly addicted to caffeine. Turbo Force Plus is more than caffeine. It's like rocket fuel, but it doesn't have the crash that you expect with uh, pure caffeine supplements. So go to InfoWarsStore.com, support us, keep us on the air, keep us in the fight, and keep us telling the truth in the face of a world of lies that we constantly have to try to tear down. I'm going to go to a a longer clip here. Uh, Clip number uh, 18, actually. Clip number 18 here. Tucker Carlson asked Putin who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. They have kind of a funny back and forth. But what Putin, you know, this is, and we've said this before, that like everybody knows, everybody in positions of power They all sort of know each other's secrets. We said this when the Nord Stream pipeline first blew up. There was never a question as to who blew it up. Russia knew. Germany knows. America knows. The media knows. They all just pretend not to. Because they're liars. I mean, it's pretty much as simple as that. And so Putin's response when Tucker Carlson asks him about proof and about evidence and about presenting this case to the world you can hear Putin's response is very 
real. It's very cognizant of the reality of the situation. You'll see. We'll go to the clip, then we'll talk about it on the other side. Clip number 16. Who blew up Nord Stream? I'm sorry, 18, yeah. <laughs> you for sure. I was busy that day. <laughs> Nate, it, do you have... Do you have <laughs> uh, I did not blow up Nord Stream. Uh, thank you, personally may have an alibi, but the CIA has no such alibi. Do, do you have evidence that NATO or the CIA did it? You know, I won't get into details, but people always say in such cases, look for someone who is interested. But in this case, we should not only look for someone who is interested, but also for someone who has capabilities. Because there may be many people interested, but not all of them are capable of sinking to the bottom of the Baltic Sea and carrying out this explosion. These two components should be connected. Who is interested and who is capable of doing it? But I'm confused. I mean, that's the biggest act of industrial terrorism ever. And it's the largest emission of CO2 in, in history. Okay, so if you had evidence, and presumably given your security services, your intel services, you would, that NATO, the U.S., CIA, the West did this, why wouldn't you present it and win a propaganda victory? <laughs> in the war of propaganda, it is very difficult to defeat the United States because the United States controls all the world's media and many European media. The ultimate beneficiary of the biggest European media are American financial institutions. Don't you know that? So it is possible to get involved in this work, but it is cost prohibitive, so to speak. We can simply shine the spotlight on our sources of information and we will not achieve results. It is clear to the whole world what happened, and even American analysts talk about it directly. It's true. Yes, I, but, but here's a question you may be able to answer. You worked in Germany, famously. Um, the Germans clearly know that their NATO partner did this, but they, and it damaged their economy greatly. It may never recover. Why are they being silent about it? That's very confusing to me. Why wouldn't the Germans say something about it? This also confuses me. But today's German leadership is guided by the interests of the collective West rather than its national interests. Otherwise, it is difficult to explain the logic of their action or inaction. After all, it is not only about Nord Stream 1, which was blown up, and the Nord Stream 2 was damaged. But one pipe is safe and sound, and gas can be supplied to Europe through it. But Germany does not open it. We are ready, please. There is another route through Poland, called Yamal Europe, which also allows for large flow. Poland has closed it, but Poland packs from the German hand, it receives money from the pan-European funds, and Germany is the main donor to these pan-European funds. Germany feeds Poland to a certain extent, and they close their route to Germany. Why? I don't understand. Ukraine, to which the Germans supply weapons and give money. Germany is the second sponsor of the United States in terms of financial aid to Ukraine. There are two gas routes through Ukraine. 
they simply closed one route, the Ukrainians. Open the second route and please get gas from Russia. They do not open it. Why don't the Germans say? Look guys, we give you money and weapons, open up the valve, please let the gas from Russia pass through for us. We're buying liquefied gas at exorbitant prices in Europe, which brings the level of our competitiveness and economy in general down to zero. Do you want us to give you money? Let us have the decent existence, make money for our economy, because this is where the money we give you comes from. They refuse to do so. Why? Ask them. That is what is like in their heads. Those are highly incompetent people. Incompetent or on purpose, I mean, at a certain point it really doesn't matter. It was clearly the CIA that blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. And he's like, it doesn't even... He's like, if we were to present information, it would just expose our sources and it wouldn't convince anybody because the media is owned by the same blocks that are making these decisions in the first place. Big takeaway here. We don't run our country. Germans don't run their country. It's all a globalist scam. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a war against the globalist. And people can't identify who's a patron and who isn't. We want to identify as pro-human and anti-globalist. We want to let people know we're 1776 Part 2. That's why I designed this amazing 1776 red, white, and blue Gadsden flag shirt so you can support the info war and meet like-minded people everywhere when you wear it. When you wear these shirts, it creates an amazing amount of energy, and it's quite the adventure. So get your 1776 shirt right now at InfoWarStore.com. And get your Team Humanity InfoWars limited edition shirt right now at InfoWarsStore.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is antithetical, the complete opposite of what the globalists are pushing. So get both the Team Humanity and the 1776 Gadsden Snake shirts limited edition at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Spread the word, meet like-minded people, and fund the 1776 revolution worldwide.